Hello and welcome back to Sound Effects Podcast. Um, I'm going to be doing a mini-series over the next uh, coming months, which is about Oasis and mental health. Um, I've not hidden the fact that I'm a huge Oasis fan, and a lot of the interviews I've done before, at some point or other, I mention Oasis all the time, and I just really, really wanted to actually look a little bit further at at the impact of Oasis on people's mental health. And so what I've done is a collaboration with um, Oasis Podcast and we've put our heads together and we've developed a mini-series looking specifically at Oasis in relation to mental health. So the very first episode is one we've done with with stand-up comedian Rachel Fairburn. She's a huge Oasis fan. Earlier this year, I got in touch with her to ask her if she would be willing to talk to me and James about um, how Oasis has impacted her life. And she said yes, which was fantastic. So we spoke to her and that's the first interview we've done, which James will also put out on Oasis podcast pretty much around the same time that this goes up. So you can hear it on either channel. And then following that, there'll be a few other episodes that come out. So I've got an episode with um, Cynthia, who you might remember also, who had previously appeared on Oasis podcast. And um, James and I have had loads of messages from listeners um, talking about the impact of Oasis on their mental health. And what I'm going to do is also give a little exposition, as it were, just to talk a little bit from my perspective about what this feeling is that Oasis gives people. So I'm going to do my best to try and give you a sort of psychological understanding of what might be happening. And it's the best that I can do so far. Other people might have some different opinions and by all means, they're very welcome. You're very welcome to contact me with them. But I'm going to give you a little idea from my perspective of why I think Oasis have had such an impact emotionally on people over the years. So... Yeah, as I say, this is the first of the series. It's um, me and James interviewing Rachel Fairburn. I haven't seen your face round since I was a kid. You're bringing back those memories of the things that we did. You're hanging round and climbing trees pretending to fly Do you want to be a spaceman and live in the sky? I, I think we're approximately the same age. So I w- when I was listening to you, I was like, oh, I think we're the same age. We ca- became Oasis fans at a similar time. And when I've been listening to your, your podcast and you, I heard an interview with you with Sophie Hagen, you were talking about how not a day of your life goes by where you don't think of Oasis. And um, and I really related to that. So I guess <laughs> I I wanted I guess to start off with yeah like how did that start you know when did you first hear Oasis what what was going on for you? So I was so I'm thirty eight thirty nine this year and I um I, remember, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up my my granddad uh, was very 
traditional and he was really into like classical music and he didn't like pop music and he, I'd say this like he sounds like an awful man but he was lovely but he was just like oh, what's this bloody rubbish turn this off and I remember I used to borrow his um, sort of radio uh, sort of sneak it out and I'd listen to the radio and I remember putting it on and it was the first time I heard Live Forever so it was like I think it was like Key 103 in Manchester or something and I was like oh my god what's this song because I, if I mean, I brought up around a lot of music because my mum's a huge music fan. She's into ballet, sort of rock and roll, that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my god, what's this song? And then it was really annoying because I didn't catch what the song was. And I kept going, does anyone know what that song is? Maybe lately. I think it's called Maybe Lately, right? And I was just going on and on and on about it. And I couldn't. And then I, I think it was the chart show that was on one Saturday. I was like, that's the song. That's the song. That's the song. And I was so excited. So I went out and bought it, and then of course you realise you've got, I mean, the B-sides, I was like, this is like, what is this? And then I was like, oh great, I've got two other things to listen to, so I went out and bought the other singles, and then that was it. I was just totally hooked, and yeah, to, like, just, I guess I can remember hearing it, and then just when I found out what the song was, because it's so mad now that <laughs> everything's so much easier, if you find, you can, you know, you can shazam something, can't you? Then it was like, oh, if you've missed it, you've got to wait for another chance for it to come round, and then you can might be able to find out what it is, but you might be able to find out of someone else. Um, but yeah, that, that was it then. Um, completely obsessed. Maybe I don't really want to know how your garden grows Cause I just want to fly Lately, did you ever feel the pain in the morning rain? Don't you to the bone Maybe I just wanna fly Wanna live but don't wanna die Maybe I just wanna breathe Maybe I just don't believe Maybe you're the same as me We see things I'll never see Um, and I remember the first time I went to see Oasis I was... 13, so it would have been the same year, I think, uh, November 95, and it was at the uh, MEN Arena, the 9X, as it was then. I uh, still got my T-shirt. And uh, I, it was my mum and dad had bought it me as a, a present. So I came home from school one day, and they were like, oh, we've got your tickets to Oasis. And I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. This is so amazing. And uh, then I remembered it was, I looked, and I was like, oh, God, that's months away. Like, what, what, everything, what might happen in four months? God, it's so long to wait. And, um, yeah, I just remember it was a Sunday night as well, so uh, we were at school the next day. But because we were so young, I my mum uh, used to come with us uh, to watch Oasis. So for the first – we went to Main Road as well, so the first few times my, my mum was with us because we were too little. Uh, but, yeah, so that's how, that's how I uh, I started to get into them. I was going to say, is that with um, being growing up in and around Manchester, was it more of a thing as well about, like, you know – the, the pride as well of seeing people that sounded like you and looked like you. Yeah, so that's really, that's something else. Because at first when I, when I heard them, I didn't, first of all, know that they were from Manchester. And I think it was just that thing of like, you know, now, now I know, because I'd, you know, I'd not been out of Manchester that much as a young kid and you're just around Mancunians all the time, so you're used to how people sound. And then when I saw um, an interview with them, I was like, oh my God, they're from Manchester. I was like, this just keeps getting better and better. I just remember being so excited. And it sort of, it sort of inspired me because I, 
I knew that I wanted to do something in my life with sort of um, performance, but I was really shy. I was a really shy kid, and I, I, I don't know. I, just, I wouldn't. I found it really difficult to speak to anybody, and I was quite quiet and, and stuff. And then I remember thinking, oh, if they can do it, oh, maybe I can do something like that. Because it's not just that; it was like even similar, you know, backgrounds growing up in a, a council house, that kind of stuff. It was just like, oh my god, they're they're just like they're like me. Um, and then just to see him being really cocky and really like, you know, giving it the big and all the time. Um, I mean, I, I, I'd love to, I would love to have been like that when I was a kid, but I wasn't. I was too shy. She didn't want the water. But uh, yeah, it, it, sort of that thing, seeing yourself or the way you sound or the way, you know, you are, or to, to an extent, your sense of humour and your family's sense of humour. I think that's a big thing that people forget with Oasis. They're actually really funny. Like, Noel's hilarious. He could 100% have been a stand-up comedian. Um, but I, um, what I wanted to do, I wanted to do something around performance, and I didn't know what that was. I thought, well, maybe I want to do something to do with music. And I've got no musical talent whatsoever. Uh, it is so embarrassing. So I can't sing. And for some reason, people think that, because you, you, know, you do stand-up comedy for a job, they seem to think that you're some sort of all-rounder and you can <laughs> you can do everything. I cannot sing to save my life. It's it's shocking. But I, I do give it a go and I've had a drink. But um, I I remember thinking, oh, I want to do, I want to be like that and I want to do music. So I started trying to learn the guitar and I've got no patience, so I didn't do that. And then I thought, well, maybe I could sing. And then I, I remember, the, you know, at the back of, like, the enemy and the Melody Maker, they'd have, like, adverts uh, and stuff. And I remember bringing up, trying to, from a phone box, trying to join bands and thinking, what am I doing? Like, this isn't... I kind of wanted... I think in my mind, I wanted to be an oasis. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find any way to make that happen. Uh, but quickly realising my limitations as well. <laughs> There's a lot of what you're saying that really relates to... I really resonate with so much of what you're saying about this kind of wanting to be in this thing about wanting to be in the band or wanting to have some kind of involvement with them. It's like, I don't care what it is. I just want to be there. That I I remember that feeling really well. I don't know if you had that James, but. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, we, yeah, it's, I suppose as well, you want to, you don't just want to be in the band or like be on the stage. You want to be just living that life. And yeah. And whether it's, you know, cause being, I mean, I'm, sort of a little bit older than you so I was like 14 I think with you guys like 12 13 and yeah it's 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 still tied in with that sort of whether it's wanting to get away from where you are you know being Mm. in school and just that's the life you know and that was always you know I I was in a band and that was the the dream was you know we will get signed by Alan McGee you know we'll get the 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 golden ticket you know this is the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket and I suppose because their story was so perfect and they were so normal and they were so down to earth. It was that thing about, like, like you said, Rachel, like, if they can do it, then we can do it as well. Yeah. But, I mean, what was it like generally? Were the other sort of girls around your age into Oasis as well, being in Manchester as well? Or was it much more like take that and boys own? Well, yeah, so it was very much take that. And even before I was into Oasis, I wasn't really, I was sort of like into older music. So, you know, I like the stuff my mum was listening to or the stuff that my grandma was listening to. And I didn't really, like, I, I, I remember I went through a phase of really enjoying E17. Um, but also I think that was because, you know, they were working class lads and were a bit, you know, kind of. Um, 
and I, I quite, I mean, some of their tunes are still bangers. I still uh, stand by that. Um, and I sort of, it, yeah, and all my friends are into Take That, uh, Boys Own. One of my friends was really into Robson and Jerome, which is still to this day quite weird. <laughs> Um, she had it written on a bag in Tipex, and I remember even thinking at the time, like, you are right. Um, <laughs> so they, they were all in slight different things. But as soon as I got into Oasis, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is, this is my thing. Like, and it was mainly the boys that were into Oasis. The, a lot of the girls sort of liked a, few, a bit of the songs, but it wasn't as much. I would say I was probably the only girl in my year at school who was so into them and so into like the Britpop thing. And I remember sort of when I was in year seven, I think it was, there was a girl who was in year 11. So, you know, you're in that sort of thing at school where the year 11 seem like they're proper grown-ups. And I remember seeing her and she had like, you know, Oasis written on a bag and stuff like that. And she was really like badges and stuff. I just remember thinking, wow, I want to be like you. You're really cool. I wish we could be friends, but we're in different years. You know, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, the girls. And it was quite funny because a lot of sort of my, two of my friends, uh, who I'm still friends with now, they were into Oasis. But, um, but I think they were into it because they were friends with me. And then it was just something to, like, talk about or, you know. Um, so, like, one of my friends would bring in newspaper clippings like, oh, I brought these in for you. I thought, oh, brilliant, because I've got this really weird thing that I refer to on the podcast as the archive, um, which is just me with boxes and boxes of, uh, you know, enemies, melody makers, bits of Manchester Evening News with, you know, what have Oasis been up to this week or Oasis bringing out a new single. Um, I've got boxes. These are all my parents' house in Manchester. I've got boxes and boxes of these things. But I think it was a way of, like, you know, of course, it's a way of bonding with people, isn't it? So people would be like, oh, Rachel likes Oasis. So, oh, we're friends. So I'm going to bring this in for her. Or, oh, here's some posters that I've got from Smash It's for you. Um, and, yeah, it, it was definitely the, the boys more. Uh, and I have to say, I think it definitely influenced the boys' behaviour um, being into Oasis. A hundred percent. Yeah, swaggering around get, with the haircuts and um, being naughty. Uh, the you know kicking off in the the sort of snack bar at dinner time throwing trays around and stuff like that that was a hundred percent all influenced by them liking Oasis um so but yeah it was it, it definitely did but also it made you find as you got a bit older your friendship group so you you know like I remember a girl called Hannah that I didn't really spoke to at school I found out we were into similar music and then you know we started get talking about it and you know, we talk about Oasis all the time. We talk about Pulp and, you know, we talk about Blur and especially when Blur v Oasis, we really got into that. Um, and then, it, yeah, it just helps you find your friendship group because as, as time's gone on, as I got a bit older and stuff, then you start going out to nightclubs and stuff. Your friends are like, oh, we're going to go to 42s in Manchester and go to Fifth Ave. Oh, there's, a, there's an indie night on, we're going to do this. And you've just got your little group that, you know, you're all in. It's, it's just finding your you're thriving away, isn't it?
when you were talking about like how you you heard Lifrit, because it sounds like you you had an experience of like listening to the music, hearing the songs, being struck by it, and and kind of almost being like it's like a, almost like an addiction. Like I need to hear that again. Like cause I, I remember that feeling too. And then you talk about their kind of their attitude and their sense of humor. When when did the sort of lyrics hit you? Did they hit you or? Um, any other aspect of the, of the song sort of on an emotional level? When did that start to happen? So I think that sort of happened. I think, so the first time I heard Live Forever, I was just like, what is this tune? It's brilliant. Like, I want, I want to listen to it more. Like, you know, it was like, you know, you're dying to hear it again. You think, oh God, what if I never hear that again? I never find out what it is. Um, but I I think um, sort of my, I think voices were definitely part of my sort of emotional maturity, sort of getting more mature in that way. Because I think really the B-sides probably did that for me. So when you'd hear like, you know, do you want to be a spaceman? And you've got them swaggering around being big rock stars. And then you've got like this quite sensitive song that, you know, is such a good tune that then you then you really listen to it and you, you find out that it's about having nothing in common with someone anymore. Or, you know, um, I thought, I remember thinking Married With Children uh, was brilliant because it had a swear word in it. But also, I remember thinking, God, I never want to end up like that. I, like, you know, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to be like, I don't want to get married to, uh, and be like that with somebody and, you know, be stuck at home with someone that I hate. Uh, and it, I think it, it was definitely, because like, you listen to songs when you're, you're a kid and you just think the tune's good and you don't really know what you're singing or whatever. But I think because you, I felt a connection between to the band themselves personally, I think then you want to know more about them. And then when you start list, really listening to the lyrics, you're like, all oh, right, okay, this is about this. Or, you know, this is about... Uh, for example, it's so sad. It's like just a really moving song. Um, and, I think, and I think that gets overlooked a lot with Oasis. I think a lot of people just put them down to being, oh, they're just these out swaggering around drinking and getting up with women and stuff. But really, if you really delve into the back catalogue, there's so many songs that are just quite sad and quite mature for the age that they're written. Because, like, you know, I was writing them sort of in his early to late 20s. These are, like, emotionally mature songs, aren't they? So, yeah, it definitely, it, it sort of... One of the funniest things was is how songs relate to people find songs that relate to them. And um, listen, it was Listen Up. Um, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, so, you know, the bit in Listen Up where it says, day by day, there's a man in a suit who's going to make me pay. I remember a lad at my school, he was like, oh, God, you know, I've just been listening to Listen Up. And it just, that bit where he says, there's a man in a suit who's going to make you pay, just reminded me, like, of Mr. McKenna, the maths teacher, because... I brought a textbook back and he said I've got to pay 5p for every day that I don't bring it back and I was like I thought it was so funny but he genuinely was like this he was like at the time this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life oh my god an oasis is singing about it <laughs>
how did they know? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I completely agree. We've talked about, it's, it's quite ironic you brought that up because I know that's a song, Katie, that we've talked about before that's that sort of, um, you know, and it's amazing, like you said, that Noel at that such a young age was writing from this perspective as like an old person looking back at his youth. And it's like, like you're saying, listen, he's only like 25 or, you know, whatever. And he's, he's sort of, you know, like, um, but yeah, I think it was that so much of it was like, like you've, you've talked about there. It was that, I suppose, him having been away with touring with the Inspiral Carpets and then, you know, and then coming back to Manchester and then sort of being like, there's so many of those songs that are like, you know, I don't want to be tied to this life. I want to get away. I want to mm-hmm. go and do something. And I know that was a real big inspiration. But that was that then part of your desire, like then when you're with your career then to sort of to think, right, come on, let's get out and get out and change the world in your own way. It was a little bit. I just knew that I wanted to. The thing is with me, I, it took me a long time to find out what it was that I wanted to do. So there was many years of me, uh, you, you could call them my cigarettes and alcohol years, where I was just pissing about and I was just, you know, and I didn't really have any sense of direction or, um, you know, I was working, I'd left school, I was working in a shop in Manchester and then, you know, I was going out three or four nights a week with my mates, which was brilliant at the time, you know, you're only 17, 18. And um, I just didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, apart from, you know, go to festivals, go and see Oasis as much as I could do. Um, but also I kind of knew that I wanted to do something like they were doing. And it was so different because my friends are so such different people. It was only ever me that really had that desire to do that. So, you know, they, they were all quite settled quite early on and they were married quite, got married quite young and all that kind of stuff, which is great because they did happy. But I don't know, I just always felt like, I don't know, like there was something more um to not just like just like um that I wanted to do more and I wanted to 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 see a bit more of life and I wanted to be um because it's like you know listen to Oasis like loads of, loads, most of the songs are really positive they're just like about having a really good time um having a laugh it's it's just a positive thing and I always think about Noel when he said that he wrote Live Forever as a response to sort of grunge um, when it was all like oh I hate life life shit oh and all the rest of it and he was just like no actually life's actually brilliant and it's it's a good laugh you know you shouldn't really waste it so I think that's another thing I mean that people do think about Oasis like because of the way Liam sang and stuff everyone's like oh it's moaning this that and everything it's like well it's it's quite the opposite um I'm going off my original point here so (laughs) I um yeah so I just knew there was something else I wanted to do and I tried like because also I needed to get my confidence up a bit so what what um you know, seeing Liam and Noel swaggering around and stuff, I just used to think, oh, yeah, I just wish I could be like that. You know, I can't. But, you know, I was a, a young girl who had very low confidence and was worried all the time and anxious and stuff. And um, I remember sort of thinking, right, well, because my mum always said to me, she was like, oh, you should do stand-up comedy. I used to think, are you insane? Like, I, I can barely speak to members of my own family because I'm too shy. Why you think I could do that? There's something wrong with you. Anyway, it turns out she was right. So <laughs> I just remember trying to get my confidence up. And I, I did like a, I did a couple of acting classes, which were fine, and I got a bit more confident. And then I just had another few years of not knowing what to do, really. And then I did a course uh, which was run by Labour when they did New Deal, which everyone kicked off about. And it was a stand-up comedy course. And it was at uh, next to the Etihad Stadium in Manchester at the, the Squash Centre. And I remember starting that course and thinking, being so nervous about it. 
and then being like, oh, great. Oh, I, I can do this. And I started doing my first gigs and stuff. And one thing that I always had in my head when I used to, I still do it now when I get really nervous for gigs, you know, if it's a big gig or, you know, a bit apprehensive about the audience or, you know, whatever, I always think, right, what would Liam Gallagher do? And that is my thing. If I'm, if I'm not sure about something in life, I mean, it's probably not that he's not made some great choices. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's balls up a few times, hasn't it? But in my mind, I'm like, okay, what would Liam Gallagher do? I'm like, he'd go in there, he'd smash it, and then he'd just get on with his day. And, and that sort of really has helped me in a, in a bizarre way. But it's just, you know, it's just like channeling the confidence of Oasis, you know. Um, so, yeah. I think that's an all right answer. I think I might have banged on a bit there. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> struck by what you were just saying there about the positive aspect of um oasis's message in a way i guess i guess the kind of ethos of enjoying your life and how that's misunderstood and i guess because my my interest in my podcast is kind of on the mental health side of things i was wondering about like how that impacted you as an idea that life is for living and um yeah what that did to you yeah, so I think sort of um, I know well, sort of when you become a, a teenager and stuff, and you have that natural misanthropic oh, everything shit kind of thing, mm. um, which I think you know is quite a natural thing to get because you think the world's against you, and you know, oh god, nobody understands me. Um, I think I kind of had that a little bit, but I think I missed. I think because I was an Oasis fan, I totally, I was more, I was happier. And I think that's because basically their message was, let's have it. Let's go and just have a really good time. And I think maybe, I have to say, maybe it wasn't the best message sometimes. Because like I say, you know, I had a few years where I was just, you know, wandering around, pissing about, uh, drinking, but having a good time. But I suppose as well, I I didn't go to college or university. So in a way, I think... I think sometimes I, what I think about this is like, so say for example, someone's gone to university and they're, you know, going out and all the rest of it. Everyone's like, oh, well, that's what you do when you go to university. That's, you know, that's, that's all right. Cause you're, you're, you're doing that. But I think when you're just a, a working class girl who is working in a shop and isn't really sure about what she wants to do in the future. And you know, you're just going to nightclubs every week and, you know, listening to Oasis and all the rest of it. I think people think, oh, well, she's, she's lost her way. Oh, she's, you know, she hasn't got a clue what she's doing, nothing with her life. And it's like, but I think that is, I think that kind of, it sort of brings out the, the snobbery. And you, you think, so I think the Oasis, there was a lot of snobbery around them as well. 
Because I don't think a lot of people like seeing these, you know, working class young men coming into the music industry, absolutely smashing it and being brilliant, creating these amazing records and influencing thousands of people's lives. I don't, I think people had a bit of a, there was a bit of an attitude about that. And I think it, it was mainly because they're working class, but also one thing I have to say, and I think if I keep going off topic here, pull me back because once I start talking, that's it. Um, so I think the thing that really, um, with Oasis, the, the main thing I think is you will never have something like that again. You will never have another Oasis. Like to me, Oasis are the last band that have happened organically that have um, had their own sound, their own personalities, their own an authentic background, and have come from nothing and influenced thousands of lives and had so many fans and done so many amazing things. I, that just will never happen again. And I don't know why that is. I think, I think it's because maybe music's changed or, you know, everything, everything just feels really middle class and very inauthentic and like oh great is you know it's like for example Lewis Capaldi it's like we've all got to be grateful that he's got a personality for some reason like <laughs> and you, you know what I mean it's like oh great oh here's a man who doesn't look like a supermodel but isn't he funny oh hasn't he got a personality and I, I don't know it's just that kind of thing of like it just all feels a bit crap doesn't it and it, it makes you feel like a, a really sort of miserable old person going well we'll never have oasis again and we feel i'm very lucky to have experienced that but i do feel like that because you know when you you think about the gigs they did and you know not just in britain but around the world and just the the stories we had about them and you know like even like liam mary and patsy kensett you know little things like that and sort of his bad behavior at times and Noel sort of pontificating at people and kicking off and you know you just don't you're not you're not going to get that anymore it just it just feels like that was the end of it and I think that's really sad because I think it's better, like if you're a young younger person now getting into something I just think well what what are you going to get into I mean what what's going to inspire you what's going to make you feel really good like even clothing I mean the amount of bucket hats I used to swagger around in and um, looking ridiculous, to be fair. But, you know, that kind of thing of like, there's no sort of, it's like there's no sort of group to join anymore, is there? It's just, and it makes me feel such an old, old trout saying this. But that that's the, the vibe, isn't it? That's what it's like. You know, as much as I love Noel, I love Noel's solo stuff as well. Um, even he's gone a bit sensible. And as much as I love him, you know, I think the, the one thing that I will say is that I do think, um, so as much as I love them both, uh, but equally a big fan of them both, but I always had a little bit more of a soft spot for Liam. Um, and I knew that this would happen. The tables would turn. He's becoming a national treasure. Mm-hmm. I knew that this would happen. And I've been saying it for over a decade now, and I'm just glad that I'm right. The Godlike Genius Award is always the most important award the evening. But this year, it's extra special. What we're about to give out is basically 
the most overdue award in the history of the NMA Awards. No one embodies the spirit of NMA more than this year's Godlike Genius. No one has appeared on the cover of NME more times than this year's Godlike Genius. It just goes to show how totally iconic Liam Gallagher is. This is a man who understands exactly what it means to be a rock and roll star. NME Awards, right, I want to dedicate this to me mum, Margaret Gallagher, the one on fucking only. I also want to dedicate to the army of songwriters that I've got, past and present. I want to dedicate it to my universal crew, the Parker Monkeys, as you fucking were. Yeah, like you're saying about, you know, where is the next thing and who's into, you know, who, who are kids? And it's Liam, right? They're, they're turning to Liam. Like the, the amount of people that, that, you know, listen to the podcast and, are, you know, and it, a lot of it might be from, you know, because it's kids of people that like them the first time around. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you see with the success of Liam, that, you know, people are still sort of thinking, no, he's the guy, you know. And so, you know, when you've seen like Liam live, you look around and there are all these young kids there. And, and it is that that's sort of what I've kind of been saying. That's my hope for the future is that, yeah, if someone else can come along that sort of can embody that same spirit mm -hmm. that he's got, that he's almost like, you know, we're still clinging to him as being like this is still the example but you know come on where's you know where's the next generation that's going to come and do it and you know and really smash it in that way and you know let's hope they're, they're out there and I, I think like I'm not completely turned off to it you know you're sort of still out there listening to music and thinking come on like I want someone to come and do it but you know uh it's not like oh I'm not listening to anything released past you know 1997 yeah yeah that's but it it's like you're to it but yeah, that's it. You, you're kind of just waiting for it, though, aren't you? It's like you, and it's not. It's not just you. It's like you want the good tunes, but also you want you want something else with it, don't you? You want that excitement that Oasis created. You want that. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to describe. Like, you know, go to Oasis gigs. Don't get me wrong. I've been to them so many times, but the gigs were something else. But, but mainly because they were so bloody violent. That's what I found. Like, there was times that I was in crowds going, what the hell is going on here? And I'm not saying that's good, but at least it was creating some sort of vibe and a bit of excitement and a bit of, you know, it was it, it was doing something to people. I mean, I'm not saying going around throwing bottles of wee round is okay, because it's not. But what I mean is, like, at least it was, it was charging people up to be like, come on, like, let's have it. Not always in the best way, as I say, but, you know, it, if you go to a gig now, it's like, oh, okay, well, that was all right. <laughs> there's no, there's no sort of passion created anymore. I was really intrigued by that because I, I guess um, I, hearing you speak, what's so fascinating for me is like, you know, you became a, a comedian and obviously you were so inspired by by Oasis and, and that attitude. But I often see that that spirit that Oasis carried kind of did carry on in a way but in in us so like you know you you did do something with it you you went and created a new career and a and a you followed your dream so although it didn't come out necessarily in music mm -hmm. and bands it feels like people of our age group are somehow living our lives with that spirit and doing quite interesting things um so, you know, you've got your career, like, James, you're doing this podcast. Like, I, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing probably if it wasn't for that. So I feel like it's there somewhere in spirit. Yeah, definitely. And I think, 
you know, I feel that I 100% would not be a stand-up comedian if it wasn't for Oasis. And I don't know how to explain that, <laughs> but I think you just explained it. Um, yeah, there is no way that I would be doing what, what I was doing had it not been for me being an Oasis fan. And when I tried to vocalise this to people, they're like, what are you on about? I'm like, well, I know what I'm trying to say, but I just find it really hard to, to say it and like to, to um, explain it. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it's, it's, it is. And I think for someone like me, who's a, a woman who, you know, was really into this really quite masculine thing, really, just to be able to take something away from it to, you know, to inspire you, I think is pretty amazing. The more, the more I do think about it, yeah, it's so, it's because I would say to my boyfriend, I'm like, if it wasn't for Oasis, I'd not be doing stand up. And he's, you know, a nice boy from Lincolnshire. He's like, I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm trying to explain, but, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I don't think anything has influenced my life as much as Oasis. I mean, aside from having nice, supportive parents, I, if Oasis hadn't happened, I, I think I'd probably, I don't know, I think I'd probably be, I used to work in a library, I'd probably still be doing that. That's probably what I'd be doing. But also I think it's good because it gives you that um, rebellious spirit as well. So even though I used to be quite unconfident as, uh, you know, as a younger person, I still got, I always had that thing in me where I was like, well, I don't, well, I don't agree with what you're saying, so I'm going to say something or I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Well, I think, you you know, it gave me that sort of spirit to rebel against things that I didn't think were right and, you know, to, to do my own thing and very much be myself um, and, and wear what I want. That was another thing because um, people forget Liam is very stylish um, so very sort of influenced by their sense of style as well and you know just to I think ultimately it's like that thing of like being a working class person but then really dressing up for things and you know it's basically saying like I'm here I'm not going to apologise for who I am I can't be anything other than what I am so you've just got to deal with it really <laughs> And I think that's a real Manchester kind of um, working class thing. I think that you look at Southern posh boy bands like Coldplay and they will dress down and they'll try and look dowdy and they'll have the, you know, oh, hi guys, some sort, you know, and, and that's sort of what they're doing. Whereas, you know, I've always thought that Oasis much more had that kind of hip hop attitude of like, we've come from nothing. Now we've got it. Yeah. And we're going to show you we've got it. And, um, you know, yes. yeah, I've got loads of money now, you know, and that's cool because celebrate it, you know? Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So the, one of the ways that I treat myself when I've worked hard or achieved something is I think, right, what clobber am I going to get myself? What if I've seen a pair of shoes, I'm going to get them or I'm going to buy a new jacket or I'm going to get something. And also there's just really something as your confidence grows as, as a, a stand up or as minors, I think, you know, you, you when you're doing your own shows and you because you do feel like a bit like a rock star sometimes. Sometimes you can't believe that people come out to see you, like, bloody hell. And, and then you do a show and you think, right, well, these people have come to see me, so I'm going to wear something good. You know, it's, it's like, I think that is a very working class thing in the case of, like, you know, I think when you see sort of very um, middle class comedians, they either wear a suit or they'll dress down. But when you see sort of a working class act, it's like, oh, great, these people are here to see me. Where's my sequins? Where's my feathers? You know, you, you so, and it's like even when like Elton John, 100%, working class man, and then is it's that flamboyance 
you know, Freddie Mercury, Liam Gallagher, Elton John. It's just that working class sort of thing that I think the sense of like, oh, I've made it is to dress like you've made it. I mean, we've talked about, you know, gigs and stuff. Obviously, it's been an awful kind of year um, for you. Just, you know, your career was going fantastically well and, you know, um, been featured on BBC Three and all these other things. And then, bang, you know, it's just gone <laughs> for a whole year. Yeah, so thanks I mean, for the reminder. That's lovely. <laughs> sorry, <mate. laughs> but, yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about how, you know, how that's been, really? Um, well, I think um, the thing is, I, I, mean, nobody, I mean, nobody could have predicted this was going to happen um and i do feel like I, I had got you know you get into a level where you're like oh great you know i'm the gigs are getting better i'm doing my own tour um i was put yeah, i was supposed to be touring with my show at the time and, and then everything changes um and i think you know in years previous i mean it's such a shame because there's so many other acts that are going to be impacted by this that are, they're not going to be able to come back from it and you know they're unfortunately going to have to struggle again for so many years. And this is the other thing, like to, for me to have, it's taken me over a decade to get to where I am. And that is from graft and, you know, doing the, doing the bad gigs, doing the, the middle of nowhere pub that they hate you, um, getting through all these things. And again, I mean, there's nothing better than doing a terrible gig, uh, Getting put, getting on the train home, putting your earphones on and blasting out a bit of Oasis to make you feel better because that was part of my self-care, let me tell you. Um, I think, um, the thing is though, I think I've, I've kept going and I've kept, I've been quite lucky because even during lockdown, I've, I've done things, I've, you know, I've been doing Instagram lives, I've been, I've been writing a new show. Um, so for me, it has been, it's been disappointing because you want to be out there, you want to be performing. And I mean, it's doing Zoom gigs. Like I've got a Zoom gig this evening and I'll be honest with you, I'm just like, oh, can, I, can we not do this anymore? Can we just get out there and interact? Because um, it, it can be just quite, uh, it's just not the same, is it? You know, um, so I think, yeah, like I've been quite lucky in the sense I've kept, I've kept going. Um, but I am just keen now to just get back out there and, you know, get back gigging properly and get back on the stage. And also just to have that, to have proper nerves back as well. Cause it's, you know, a zoom gig, you, you're in the kitchen doing something, you're like, Oh, 10 minutes. I'm let's click on and hello. <laughs> and it's just not the same. Like you don't get, you don't get the same nerves. Like I think the first gig back, I'm going to have to be thinking what would Liam Gallagher do? Because I'm going to be so nervous. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, it's just been a crap year. And it's, I hope that from this, some you know we get some really good creative stuff you know i, I hope mm -hmm. people have had a bit of time to think all oh, right okay so, so what i thought during this time is what's the show that i really want to write what do i really want to talk about i've got time i'm not going to mention coronavirus at all in my show uh so i've been working on material that is what i really 
wanted to, to write about and stuff. So hopefully something good will come of it. Either that or I'll end up getting cancelled for saying something wrong, but we'll find out. Let's hope so, eh? Got something to aim for. At least you're doing nothing wrong. Exactly, Have you met any of the band members of our way? I have. I've met uh, I've met Liam and No. I've met Liam twice. Uh, no, ever. No, I've met him once. I've met Noel once. I'm gonna have a yeah, yes, so I'll tell you the stories. So years ago, my ex boyfriend, uh, who was a comedian, he was doing a gig in Chicago and uh, for part of the Chicago Comedy Festival. And BDI were playing um, at a very small venue, and he managed to get tickets for it. I was so excited. I was like, oh, God, this is like so good. Um, even though I have to admit, I was never that into BDI, uh, but I did, you know, I'm going to get to see Liam doing his union jack coat that he had on. And uh, afterwards, my boyfriend at, at the time was like, oh, right, okay, um, I'm going to make sure you meet Liam. And I was, eating, I, remember, I was eating a hot dog. I was like, I don't want to meet him now. I've got food all over my face. Leave me alone. And uh, he pushed through, he's a very confident man, pushed through the crowd, got to the front. He's like, Liam, Liam. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, mate, you're all right. And he said, uh, my girlfriend's from Manchester. And he went, bring her over. Like, oh, God, that's exciting. Um, and he was very nice. But he said, uh, a City United. I said, City. He said, good girl. And he did that with my hand. Uh, and I said, I love you. And he went, oh, that's nice. Uh, and then he asked me where I was from in Manchester and we had a little chat and then I was like okay uh, and I said can I give you a kiss on the cheek he went yeah go on then uh, and I gave him a kiss on the cheek and uh, he laughed and then I ran off um, and I was totally starstruck uh, so I met Noel a couple of years ago so a friend of mine comedian Lloyd Griffith who used to present Soccer AM he messaged me one day and he said what are you doing on Saturday and I was like nothing wise like do you want to come and meet Noel Gallagher I was like are you joking he's like yeah but you've got to be up dead early you've got to come to the studios and watch the show I was like oh god that's that's fine so I went to watch them film Soccer AM when Noel was on it um and then afterwards he said I'll I was standing right next to Noel I was like oh god this is and my friend who was with me was like go on say something I was like I don't want to I don't want to I can't say anything Anyway, so my friend Lloyd was like okay he went I'm gonna make sure you meet him he said oh Noel um can you come meet my friend Rachel uh, she's a really big fan. She's from Manchester. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah, I was so bloody nervous. I said, uh, I was like, oh, hello. Uh, he went, all right. And I said, uh, I'm really nervous. I'm a really big fan of yours. And he went, oh, don't be daft. Right? I was like, oh, God, this is great. Um, and then we had a picture taken together. And he asked me where I was from in Manchester. And we had a little chat. And uh, we had a nice picture. And I said, oh, thank you very much. And I swear to God, I nearly said, and I'm so glad I didn't, I almost said, thanks for the music. And thank Christ I didn't. <laughs> So that would have been humiliating, um, but I, I thought. Uh, so I've, I've only met. Yeah, but I've not met. Um, I'd love to meet Liam again. I'd love to go to the pub with Liam, to be honest. Um, Noel was very, very nice, which I'm glad about because I was a bit nervous because I thought he might be, you know, a bit, bit aloof. He was very nice, very down to earth. Uh, but also, I do sometimes think it gives you that extra thing being from Manchester when you meet them. Yeah. I think there's just a bit of a, a nice connection. Yeah. 
definitely yeah. there's that there is that isn't there i suppose what would be great as well once we're back into the the scheme of things if like you're on soccer am as a guest and then it's not just you're there to meet you know you're there as yeah like, yeah you know once you're there in that sort of professional capacity then it's different then isn't it because then it's like you know it, it suppose the it would feel a little bit different Yes, definitely, definitely. There was some very. It was funny because in the soccer AM crowd, there were some very pushy men who sort of dressed a bit football hooligan, uh, you know, with the Stone Island on the stuff, who were um, giving Noel's wife like stuff for him to sign. And she was like, "Okay, she's like, back in a minute," and she was going going back into the dressing room. And obviously, he's like, he's probably there going, "Oh, the fuck's that?" And uh, she's giving back. But yeah, there was uh, there was so pushy, but she was so nice about it. Just like, yeah, yeah, okay. And just taking these things through, um, yeah, it was it was quite an interesting experience. But I'd, I don't know. I think I'd like to I'd like to meet them both again, but in a different capacity, you know, in the pub or something. <laughs> Although I'd never approach them, I'd be too nervous. <laughs> it is amazing like for a um you know for a band that sort of people do see as like blustery and and you know and rude often and things like that but actually there are so many people and so many stories of people who have suffered whether it's trauma or whether it's just a lack of confidence or whatever and that they have had such an impact on um on people's lives and so yeah is that yeah you definitely you'd say that was the case with you obviously I'd say so. I'd definitely say so. Times in my life where I've been, oh God, I've been about five years ago, maybe. I was like the most depressed I've ever been. I was just, you know, you're just not the same person, and you know, you you feel like you're never going to get out of it. Genuinely, the only things that perked me up were watching films that I was really familiar with and and enjoyed, and you know, could I mean, I haven't said that most of my horror films, and they're disgusting, but you know. Listening to Oasis, it's been the Oasis have been the one. Aside from my family, they've been the one constant thing in my life that I've been able to rely on um, and be able to, you know, turn to. Be it when it's a good time or when it's a bad time, um, and it's it, they've, you know, aside from my, my family and Oasis are the two things that have just, I think, given me confidence and. Um, you know, be to be able to be optimistic about things again. Because I, I mean, you'll find an Oasis song for everything. If you feel sad, you, you'll find one. If you want to go out and get hammered with your mates, you'll find one. You know, there's there's a song for everything. Yeah. Well, and um, one of the things we uh, on the Oasis podcast, we always finish with the uh, like because I we'll splice clips of songs in. So, is there a particular song that does mean a lot to you of Oasis? If you have to pick one, uh, I think. 
such a difficult these bloody difficult questions um i think i've always been really fond of do you want to be a spaceman and i think it's a really good tune and i think it really once you understand what it's about you know not having anything in common with people that you grew up around uh it's actually really touching and quite relatable uh, and I remember it's one of the songs that I used to play over and over again uh, when I was a teenager. So I'll say that. Brilliant. All right. Well, look, where can the where can the kids find you online? What's the best option oh. for them? Uh, Instagram is just at Rachel Fairburn uh, and Twitter. I'm on there as well, which is not as nice, really, is it? I don't really like Twitter. Um, Instagram at Rachel Fairburn or just on the usual Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm always at Rachel Fairburn, which is quite good. And you, and you have your own podcast as well. Oh, yes, I always forget them. So I do a podcast uh, with uh, my friend and fellow comedian, Kiri Pritchard-McLean. Uh, it's called All Killer, No Filler, and it's about serial killers. Uh, but don't be put off by that or too excited by it. Just be normal about it. Um, it's uh, it's available on all platforms. But yeah, if, if that's your thing, if you want to hear two women chatting about various horrible crimes, then fill your boots. Brilliant. All right. Well, look, thank you so much, uh, Rachel. It's been a real pleasure today. And, thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. And it was great to hear you talk about Oasis and stuff. And look forward to speaking to you again soon. Great. Thank you very much. I'll see you both later. Thank you so much, Rachel. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. You got how many bills to pay and how many kids And you forgot about the things that we did The town where we're living has made you a man And all of your dreams are washed away in the sand Well it's alright, it's alright Who are you and me to say what's wrong and what's right Do you still feel like me? We'll sit down here and we shall see We can talk and find common ground Forget about feeling down We can just forget about life in this town Thank you so much to Rachel Fairburn for that interview and thank you James for collaborating with me um, You can contact Rachel Fairburn on Twitter at Rachel Fairburn or you can follow her podcast or Killer No Filler at, at Kill No Fill Pod also follow Oasis Podcast at Oasis Podcast and follow Sound Effects Podcast at Sound Effects Pod. That's Sound Effects with an A. Please uh, subscribe, leave reviews, send us tweets, uh, let me know what you think. We'll be back with more. This is the start of a little series and we hope that you'll enjoy it. So speak to you soon. Take care. Bye.